you're enjoying Racing World, it's brought to you by Perspective Group. It's your global motorsport podcast show brought to you in conjunction with Race Control Magazine. Well, after a bit of a break, Racing World returns. It's the first week in August and let's get into it. Welcome back to another edition of Racing World. I know that's been a little bit of a break between things. Uh, we've got a pretty good excuse for it, and that is, of course, the Kiwis Born to Fly documentary, which we'll talk more about a little later on. But one of those Kiwis I had the chance to catch up with just this morning, actually, Marcus Armstrong. He is turning heads in the IndyCar series right now. There is absolutely no doubt about it. Leading the Rookie of the Year Championship. And don't forget, He's not even doing the oval events, so that's how much of a margin he's got on this, and it shows you the pedigree and the nature of which he's driving at right now. And Ganassi's have got to be proud of him. Sure, there's a lot of things going on within the Ganassi team right now about who's in for 2024, who's not for 24. The only thing we know, of course, at the moment is that Dixon is back because he's under contract for another year. All the other drivers, their contracts end at the end of this year. Will Palau stay? Will Palau go? I've got a feeling he's probably going to go. Will Ericsson stay or Ericsson go? I think Ericsson's going to end up at Andretti Autosport. That's where I think he'll end up. And I have this feeling, deep down feeling, and I said it nearly a year ago, that David Malukas could end up in a Ganassi car. I don't know why, and I've got nothing to back it up. It's just a gut feeling. But the one important thing is that we keep the two Kiwis there. Dixon and Armstrong for 24, I say. Go, Chip, make the decision and get on with it. Anyway, had a great chance to catch up with Marcus again this morning uh, on a Zoom call with IndyCar just before the Nashville race. Looking forward to, to Nashville again this weekend. Uh, it was a victory there for Dixon last year and a shootout between him and McLaughlin in the closing stages of the race. And uh, boy, oh boy, Nashville will always bring surprises due to the nature of the track. But here's what we had to chat with with Marcus this morning. New Zealand uh, or somewhere close by. It's David Turner and David Turner's Racing World. David, go ahead with Marcus Armstrong. Thanks very much, Dave. Well, Marcus, you got me out of bed early, so we'll call it a good one for you. A um, couple of questions for you. First of all, this year, you know, we talked about it when I saw you in May, um, the, the the move to CGR and having a driver coach such as Dario Franchitti. How's that been for you? Yep. Morning, David. <laughs> I know it's early. Um, yeah, Dario has been um, Dario has been really, really great. I think I've probably been on the phone to him about five times over the course of the last five days. So um, he's great uh, in in every aspect, really. Um, he certainly points me in the right direction, and he's um, he. He doesn't, um, you know, I, I often say that he needs to be uh, more harsh with me, like tell me what I'm doing wrong because I'm clearly, you know, I need to improve on stuff. But he seems to be very um, positive all the time about, um, you know, what we have been doing as a group and what I've been doing and how I'm progressing. Um, but he's um, he's very observant and he understands the sport probably better than anyone equal with Scott Dixon, let's say. Um, so for him to be on my stand for the majority of the races this year and also just to be, you know, have a very good personal relationship with him is clearly an advantage. Um, and he is, yeah, we're always trying to find things to, to improve, um, whether that be 
driving or whether that be managing the people around me so um i feel like it's a yeah it's a huge advantage having them yeah, that's really cool and um, just one other quick thing before i let others have a go here um this is the i think fifth street course that you will have been on this year or road course <clears throat> so different to when you were in europe and f2 have you found that more challenging for you as a driver i know like i remember you saying that you quite enjoyed St. Pete and stuff, but now you're in for a real rocky ride, I guess, around the streets of Nashville. The circuits here are obviously bumpy. Uh, not sure how to sugarcoat that. Um, <laughs> but it it provides challenges that you can differentiate yourself to others, really. Um, if I compare to, like, racing at Monaco or Baku, um or even Macau to a certain extent, uh, they feel like road courses compared to a lot of these street circuits just because they're very smooth. Like Monaco, there's it's resurfaced every year. There's not a single bump on the track, and the grip is like driving around Paul Ricard. So um, in many ways, the only, you know, the, the biggest challenge is the fact that the wall is so close. Uh, here, there's the bumps, which creates a you know, obviously a, a big challenge on how to position the car. It obviously gives an advantage to the guys that knows know the circuits very well because there's so much character on the circuit that it actually takes time to find the sweet spot of where you need to place the car. So um, I feel like that's probably the biggest challenge is not necessarily doing a good job with, with the difficulty of the, you know, the layout and the bumps and everything, but it's more so just understanding understanding it very quickly you know because i've scott dixon who's been doing those circuits since before i was born so i need to sort of um you know learn quickly um so i can start near the front um normally towards the end of the race we we're well and truly on the pace so it's just a matter of getting there quicker um well i mean i was listening to i'm good friends with uh, jamie chadwick who's just sort of gone through the um the first experience of an oval and we were both sort of chatting about it like oh you know it's it's a race car there's pedals and there's a steering wheel but we still don't know what we don't know on what it requires to be better than someone else you know um if you actually think about it um what i find intriguing is just how one guy can get momentum at one part of a race and just um create such a pace deficit compared to everyone else you know that i i'm still trying to figure out you know how we how we can manage that um and also you know watching the way that scott uh, drives compared to <clears throat> everyone really in the team there's so many different ways to achieve uh the same lap time so there's just so many styles. I feel like it's it's that's intriguing. And um, yeah, I think the way that everyone achieves a di the same lap time in totally different ways, that's quite interesting to me. And I just sort of want to experience it and understand what what I feel it needs and what I feel I need to do to get the best lap time. Well, awesome year. Um, really, really great job so far. It's been, it was a great spending time with you. Look forward to seeing you again in a few weeks' time as well when we're back up in the States. And all the best to you and, and Blair on the number 11 team this weekend. Thanks, David.
Well, big things ahead for Marcus. I really do think that. I think that he's found a place that he feels very comfortable with. Um, he likes the lifestyle aspect of America. He's gelled with the team. The team have gelled with him. Uh, he's kind of away from the Europe thing now, and I don't think that's altogether a bad thing. I think that this is a, a good stepping place for him to be. And, you know, you look at a young Scott Dixon many years ago, was in a very similar position, and look at where he is now. So there's no reason why Armstrong can't continue that trend. And, of course, McLaughlin's in the mix there as well. So great things from Marcus. And as I said earlier on, the reason there's been the delay in the podcast shows recently is obviously we've been hard at work for the... Kiwis Born to Fly documentary that screens on Sky Sport in New Zealand. So unfortunately, if you're not a, a New Zealand uh, viewer or don't reside in New Zealand and you're watching this podcast, you actually won't be able to see it. And that's just part of our licensing agreement that we have uh, with IndyCar and Penske Entertainment. And uh, unfortunately, there's not a lot that we can do about that. But for New Zealand viewers, yes, it's out September 5, 9 p.m., Sky Sport 5. Uh, you'll be able to catch it there and then it'll play considerable number of times between there and the final event of the year at Laguna Seca and uh, hope that you enjoy it and you'll hear more from Marcus and that as well and his dad Rick and a whole bunch of other Kiwis and uh, I'm really proud of what we've achieved. Um, some may like it, some may not, but at the end of the day it's a legacy of New Zealand motorsport and what we bring to the table and, uh, and it's so much, and this is just one small sector of it, so it was a great pleasure to be. And if you want a little sample, here it is now. My mom was like, you're crazy going up there. Think you could do it? I'm like, yeah, we'll give it a go. The desire to drive. I would tell anybody that's aspiring to, to get into motor racing, it's the only thing I know about. Behind every great racer, there's the crew. Playing a role in you know the whole team's success the passion to perform. And it's it's a proud moment for a New Zealander to see the, the Kiwi flag flying. It's mind-blowing with everything going on. It's like a big carnival going on right before the race. You know, Bruce left a huge legacy behind him, and uh, hopefully we can carry that along, you know? To be here now, it's, uh, it's special. Determined to succeed. As a Kiwi, I feel like I need to win because, you know, how else do I stand out? I uh, just, just love racing. These are the Kiwis born to fly. Well, that was just part of it. And of course, now looking at other things that are happening in America, of course, SVG announcing that he's out of supercars from 2024. Not quite sure what the deal is going to be there. Obviously, he's back in a, a NASCAR at the Indy Road Course, not the Oval. So remember that at the Road Course uh, just next week, actually, uh, when IndyCar do the doubleheader there with NASCAR. And it'll be very interesting to see how SVG goes back with the same team again. So there's a bit of synergy there. Uh, but the Indy Road Course is a lot different a beast to what Chicago Downtown Street Race was. The levelling factors were Chicago, no one had ever been there before, and NASCAR had never raced on a street race. So it did play into SVG's hands, and then of course the weather as well. But all, all things aside, the Indy Road Course is a very uh, technical circuit as well. Got a little tiny, tiny piece of the oval, so it'll give him a taste of that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. There's absolutely no reason why he can't feature in those uh, top parts of the field again, but I think there's a few old boys that are going to be going. We're not going to let this Kiwi guy get away with too much, but as we know, Shane's an elbows-up type racer, and I think that we'll see great things from him when uh, NASCAR returns to the Brickyard in just over a week's time. And of course, we'll be back again then now that we're back on, on track with the podcast. So, so look forward to uh, talking about that next week. I don't have a lot of time in the show today, but one thing I am going to touch on, and that is the USF1 Grand Prix 
in Vegas coming up in November this year. Now, a few things that are just it's just lurking in the background for me as far as I'm concerned. F1 at the moment, well, really, there's not a lot going on, is there? It's just Max, Max, Max and more Max. And then there's the other 19-odd cars out there and drivers that sort of pick up the pieces after Max is finished with them. And I think that that's going to continue across the season and we're not going to see much change on it. If we were going to see that change, I believe we would have seen it by now. Teams are in the summer break now. They won't be back for a couple of weeks. But of course, the summer break means a total non-working period for all the teams. And, uh, you know, so not a lot's going to happen in terms of car development in the next few weeks. But the thing I was going to get at with Vegas is um, I was lucky enough to spend a couple of days there on the way back from the Indy uh, show this year doing the Kiwis Born to Fly doco. And two things impressed me the most. One, and we'll talk about this in a future show, was how quickly the streets of Vegas were being repaved uh, ready for the Formula One race. Considerably different, dare I say it, to the roads and how they're maintained in New Zealand. That's all I'll say on that one. But the other part that's become a little bit more of a disturbing factor in recent days, and I've talked to a few people that I now know up there as well, and that is the cost of this thing. It is just blowing through the roof in terms of admission prices and whatnot. And you could spend, you know, in excess of ten, twenty thousand dollars to be part of this Grand Prix weekend, and that's just insane money. It really is. Uh, but what has also come about is that anyone who has property on the, the strip or within the Grand Prix circuit itself that is within that circuit environment is now going to be charged by Formula One a levy for being there. And it will be whatever their restaurant or, or bar capacity normally is. So let's say it's a thousand people, then they will be charged $1,500 a person, regardless of whether they're in there or not. $1,500 US a person because that is the capacity or the, the occupancy number for that particular venue, whether it be bar or restaurant, as I said. Um, and I just think that this is, Formula One are saying that, that they have to do that to protect their image. I think it's gouging at the highest order. And then we're also seeing uh, the Liberty Media Group come back to Formula One now, or to Vegas, saying that they want more money for the repaving of the streets, and yet there was an initial agreement. I'm sure there's both sides to it, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, Formula One needs to be very careful now, particularly in Vegas, that it doesn't kind of blow its bubble before it's even got started. And there are a lot of residents I know that are actually moving out of town that weekend because they don't want to be anywhere near it. Um, the impact to the city, I think, will be huge. Um, you wouldn't want to be going to Vegas just to enjoy the resorts and things during that period, that's for sure, because you're not going to be able to. But big things coming. We'll talk more about it. And I'll show you some pictures of what we talk of the construction of the Formula One pit lane and the pit lane area and the access road to it, and then parts of the strip that were being resurfaced literally overnight. So, uh, yes, in New Zealand, you've got a lot to learn on that. This is quality asphalt work going on, and they did it straight away. So, good on them. That's kind of all the show this weekend. Obviously, Nashville happens uh, Monday morning, New Zealand time, Sunday if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, and we'll be back next week, and we'll get right back into our IndyCar show, try and talk to as many people as we can in the, in the coming days so that we've got a more bumper show for you. But boy, oh boy, it was good to chat with Marcus Armstrong today. What a great guy. What a great future. And uh, coming up also on the show in just a few weeks' time, we're going to talk to some of the members of the Motorsport New Zealand Elite Academy, class of 2023. So I'm really looking forward to that. So mark that into the uh, must-watch category as well. But until then, enjoy Kiwis Born to Fly when it comes out September 5, Sky Sport 5. And uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks for watching. Grace and Lord.